0: Scan Up Nation, one of my favorite things about the Rising Tide Mastermind is a session that we do called a full cup. And a full cup is where we bring a tip or a trick to each other that can really help improve our regular day to day. And a few months back, Eric Russo, member of the Mastermind and has been on the podcast several times, he brought to us the Rocket Book. Folks, the Rocketbook is amazing. The Rocketbook allows you to take notes just like you would on any other notebook, but it has a scanning feature that turns what you write into searchable text. It makes your notes able for you to find. This was a game changer for me, and I know it can be a game changer for you. We have an affiliate deal worked out with the Rocketbook folks, so you can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash Rocketbook, and you can receive 15% off your first order of $20 or more. Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. My name is Trace Blackmore. I get the privilege of hosting your favorite water treatment podcast, Scaling Up H2O. Nation, I know you are ready to get back to normal. And there are so many organizations out there that are having their conventions in person. One of them that's coming up, it's right around the corner, is the Water Quality Association, WQA. They are having their convention and expo July 28th through 30th. In Las Vegas. If you are interested in attending this, you can go to WQA.org and you can attend that conference in person. They are also doing a virtual experience. So if you are wanting to attend but cannot for whatever reason, you can still get great information from the virtual experience. So again, that's wqa.org. You can find out everything you want to know about that. Another convention that's going to be in person is the Association of Water Technologies is having their convention and expo September 22nd through 25th in Providence, Rhode Island. They are not doing a virtual experience. It is just going to be in person. And if you are a business owner, you probably want to get there one day before because on September 21st, they are doing their business owners meeting. And this is something that if you own a business, you definitely want to make sure that you attend. Folks, it's so good that things are getting back to normal. We're getting a lot of the vaccines out there. People are feeling better about attending conferences in person. And I don't know about you, but I miss seeing all of you last year. It is so good to be able to get back to normal and see all of the wonderful people out there in the scaling up nation. Not all of the conferences are coming back yet, and one that I need to inform you about is the Legionella Conference. That was coming up this summer. They have decided to reschedule the Legionella Conference to spring of 2022. To find out more information about that, you can go to LegionellaConference.org. I think it's probably going to be a while until every single conference is back in full swing. But really, that's a great setup for what we are talking about today. There are so many conferences that are just doing virtual or they are doing a virtual experience in addition to the live experience. And many of us are taking advantage of that virtual experience. But how do we know that we're getting the most out of that virtual experience well that's what we're talking about today and you're going to learn a lot about what you should be doing when you attend a conference virtually scaling up nation i'm so happy i can reintroduce a returning guest so donna schrader is with us today she's going to be my lab partner And Donna, the last time we had you here, you were helping introverts know what to do when we went to in-person meetings. Do we still do in-person meetings? Well, sometimes
1: and hopefully again in the future, but not right now. And for us introverts, the pandemic has been wonderful because now we don't have to network in person. We can do it all these other ways.
0: So that's what we're going to talk about today. And you did a great job helping us out. I got a lot of positive feedback that, wow, the tips you gave in that made people feel less overwhelmed. So now it's not this room full of people that they had to meet. They just had to make good connections with three. And so many people said, wow, that just changed my whole outlook on that. And I'm able to do it. So, I am really excited about today because I think you're getting ready to do the same thing with all of these video meetings that we're doing today.
1: Yes. And I have some really good tips about video meetings uh, and other ways that we can network without being in person. The biggest thing for us introverts is that, oh, it was such a relief. We didn't have to go to a conference in person. Uh, I've attended a couple of conferences online now, virtually, and I'm very excited about that. It was just such a relief for me as an introvert. But I have some great ideas for all of your listeners.
0: Well, I can't wait to get into that. Before we do, would you let the Scaling Up Nation know a little bit about what your day-to-day is like?
1: Well, I am a career counselor at a university. Texas Tech University in Lubbock, Texas, is the most wonderful place to work, and I have the best job in the entire world. I'm a career counselor. I work with all students. We can help the, that freshman coming in, uh, and we can help that alumni who's been gone for 25 years. So I get a lot of different issues and problems and you know, students with questions, and it's so much fun. So um, these are things that I have been talking to my students about because at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, everybody who had an internship, they rescinded the offer and the students were going, now what do I do? So we've been working on ways to help students network and get their ideas out there um, so that they can get that internship or job now, hopefully this summer got our fingers crossed.
0: Well, I just want to add that the water treatment industry never shut down. So hopefully if any of your students got uh, internships with water treatment companies, those are continuing on.
1: I am not sure, but we've had a lot of engineers because they were able to relocate, were able to do internships. And so they might have been in the water treatment area.
0: Well, Donna, you said that you celebrate because now you don't have to go to some of these in-person meetings. And I miss that. I, I want to see everybody. But here's the thing that that I find uh, different. I- isn't it more pressure on somebody to have a, a, a picture in front of you or nine pictures of people in front of you? And now you're being examined over the time of that entire conference call because you've got this up close view of your face.
1: Yes, and it is necessary to look like you're listening and you're engaged and you're interested. So if it isn't interesting or engaging, you're gonna have to learn to act. But the nice thing about that is there are always gonna be those three or four people who will actually carry the conversation. And if you feel like, oh, I can't interrupt, you can always type it in the chat. Zoom is wonderful. You type it in the chat, everybody gets a notice that there's something in the chat. And then hopefully, the person who's in charge of the meeting will say, oh, well, Donna just asked the question in in chat. Donna, would you like to announce that to everyone? And that way I have interrupted and I'm getting to interact without me having to just talk over someone until they give up and let me have the microphone.
0: And sometimes that never happens. <laughs> yes. I've been on those meetings, I'm sure you have too. Donna, let's say you're checking your inbox and somebody sends you an invitation for a digital meeting, a Zoom meeting. What's the first thing we should do?
1: Well, you're going to need to make sure that what they're seeing behind you in that Zoom meeting is something pleasant to look at. I'm looking at Trace's background, and he's in his office, and it's beautiful, and it's well-kept, and you know, it's nice and neat, and it's something pleasant to look at. He can see me as well, and I'm not quite as uh, neat and tidy as
0: he is. Oh, you've got some great stuff in the background there.
1: Yes, I do. But we want to think about what they can see behind you. And uh, there is a great YouTube video that only takes a few minutes to watch. And the young man goes through lighting and background and uh, audio and all of that. And so it's really uh, a good thing to to see what is appropriate. And I know that there are fake backgrounds that you can choose Some of them work better than others. If you've got a fake background, but every time you move, it cuts off your arm or it makes a black spot, that may not be what you want to have for a, a real meeting. That you can do when you and your friend are just catching up. But you need to look at the camera. You have to make eye contact. And to do that, you have to look at the camera. It feels so much better for me to look at Trace's face on my computer but I'm not making eye contact with him when I do that. I have to look at the camera. And so you may have to, you know, move the camera up or down to make it fit you. So uh, that's one of the things. And then another thing is interesting backgrounds are good, but more than that, you have to maintain engagement. Uh, you have to look like you're paying attention, you're listening. I have a a colleague who got one of these little fidget things that's just like a you pop the bubbles and then you turn it over and you pop the bubbles the other way. And she said she uses that because when she gets bored, she stops listening. So this, having her hands, giving her hands something to do, she's able to pay more attention and be more engaged. So you're going to have to try out some things and see what works for you. And I can send you that YouTube link that uh, you can share.
0: Sure, I will put it on the show notes page and we will make sure to get it out there. Donna, I learned a tip. It was either last year or the year before. And uh, Zoom will do this. I'm not sure how to do it on Teams or, or WebEx. But if you hover over your screen, there are three little dots that will pop up. And if you click on the three little dots at the very, very, very bottom, it says hide self-view. And that will take away your picture. And uh, I host mastermind calls every week, and we try to encourage people to do that. It is amazing how that changes the dynamic of the meetings. Is that something that you do?
1: It's not. I knew that it existed, but one of the things that I do is webinars. and with a webinar, I know that there are people listening, but I can't see anybody. Those are in go to webinar, And so I look at myself on the screen. I'm making eye contact with myself on the screen to give that enthusiasm and everything. So I utilize the picture of myself, but I am going to try your hint to turn off the self-view. I think that that could be very helpful.
0: Yeah, it's amazing at how that changes the meeting. It almost feels like you're back in the conference room and you're not paying attention to what you look like.
1: Yes, because we do get uh, concerned. Oh my goodness, look, I should have combed my hair before I got up here. (laughs) Yeah, that, uh, that kind of thing, it does happen.
0: I did read a report and it said that plastic surgeon schedules are booked higher than normal because people are looking at themselves so much during the day because of that.
1: I can see where people would want to make themselves look better, but I've also had a meeting where the person didn't use their video, so all they had was their name on a black box, but they said, I'm not ready for y'all to look
0: at me today. and. We just went with it. So, so that always annoys me when we're, we're going to do a video call. It's not a phone call. It's a video call. Isn't it a common courtesy to turn your camera on?
1: Yes. And I do. Even if I think, oh, my goodness, I should have combed my hair.
0: Oh, you look great today.
1: <laughs> Thank you. But maybe it's better now. Right after the pandemic, the university sent everyone home. We still had to do our jobs, and so our only option was phone calls and video calls with our students. And I would have eight or nine video calls, Zoom calls, with students in a single day. And at some point, you just are so tired of that because the effort and energy of making that connection via video is a lot more than if you're face-to-face with that student. So it helps a lot to make that contact and make that connection if they can see you, if everybody else on the call can see you.
0: What are some other things that we do to ensure that we are making that connection?
1: Well, along with video, I'm gonna suggest uh, a couple of things. And I know that you have done a podcast on LinkedIn. So if I'm repeating information, just let me know. But LinkedIn is a wonderful way to network and it needs to be fully utilized. But a couple of things that you can do is you can reach out to other people to make that connection, but you need to keep yourself front and center. You need to keep the connections you have aware of you. And an easy way to do this is to post on LinkedIn at least once a week, okay? And it doesn't have to be new information. You can share information that you read, or you can post, you know, and say wonderful things about someone else's information or accomplishment. But this allows you to reach out and build those relationships. The other thing that you might want to do is to comment on other people's posts. That gets your name out there, but it also says, hey, I'm paying attention to you. And so that person will go, oh, let me, let me look at their LinkedIn and see what they're doing. And so that's really cool. I've noticed that a lot of former students that are on LinkedIn and that I'm connected with are getting certifications and they're, you know, doing short-term professional development that allows them to say, oh, look, I have this certification. I earned this knowledge those kinds of things. So that's a really good thing to add all the time. When you're commenting on someone else, be positive. Remember that the written word is interpreted by the reader. And I might not know that you're teasing or uh, whatever. And I'm just sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, what a snarky thing to say. So be positive. And when you offer something that is helpful to people, They're going to pay attention to that. Your podcast is an example. It's helpful to your listeners. It's helpful to the people who are professionals in your industry. And they're going to pay attention. They're going to come back to this podcast. So I think that that's another good thing that you can do.
0: Donna, from your perspective, how would you differentiate something you would post on Facebook versus LinkedIn?
1: Well, Facebook is social. This is, these are my families, my friends. I'm going to show them the picture of my beautiful new baby or my vacation. That's social. You're keeping up with friends and acquaintances. But LinkedIn is a professional media. It's professional networking. So you're not going to spend much time talking about the new baby or the vacation that you went on it's going to be about the industry that you're in, the industry that you want to get into, you want to be reaching out to other professionals that, you know, you offer to help them, you share knowledge, they're going to be helpful back to you. Everyone loves to give advice, so if you can, you know, join a group and put a question out there, people are going to give you advice. It may be everything you already know, but it's still going to be someone who's reaching out to you. So uh, LinkedIn is much more professional, much more focused on career. I would recommend, I have no idea if there is um, a group on LinkedIn for your industry. Absolutely, there is. There are several, in fact, yes. So join those groups. You can ask a question, you can answer a question. You're giving information, you're providing help. That's gonna strengthen relationships. But if there's not a group out there that is exactly like what you want, LinkedIn offers you a way to start a group. What a great thing to do. You start the group, you're letting other people come and join. And you know now you're the expert with the knowledge that they want. And so that's that's also a wonderful thing. Set yourself up as the expert.
0: That's a great recommendation. A couple of weeks ago, we actually started a group. Uh, it, it happened within our mastermind group. Several people are studying for the certified water technologist examination. And they said, we wish that there was a group that we could ask questions to. Well, we created one. And uh, it's on Facebook. Uh, we decided most it was easier to use Facebook and they had some features that LinkedIn didn't. But then we made it so the members could actually approve new members. So they're allowing other people into the group, and they're getting, they'll say, if I get a question like this, What are the different things that I should consider in answering it? And it's just amazing some of the dialogue that's going on there. So exactly what you're talking about is happening right now around an exam of all things.
1: Yes, and I understand that because I'm seeing students who have to take the GRE or the GMAT or uh, the LSAT, and they all want a group. They don't want to study in isolation. They want that group. Now, they don't have to be right next to each other. So Facebook or LinkedIn is a wonderful
0: way to do that. Yeah, and it creates that community. And now everybody can celebrate when that person passes the examination. In fact, one of the requirements, it's not a requirement, but something that we ask people to do when they join is put the date of when they've scheduled to take the examination so we can all root them on and make sure that we're giving them support.
1: Oh, I love that. That is so wonderful.
0: So, and speaking of that, it's called the CWT Study Group. So, if, if you're studying for that examination, go out on Facebook. You can find that.
1: And I encourage everybody, it, even if you don't want to join the group because you're not ready for that exam, you still can be looking at, you know, the dialogue, the information that's been passed on. And you can see that people have been successful taking that exam. And that's always helpful. Other people are able to do this. I can too.
0: So this is all about making sure that we are making those connections, even when we can't get face-to-face. So we've attended the digital meeting we with our camera on, I'm going to add. <laughs> then we've connected to some new people that we've met. Maybe we did some, some chatting on the video conference, uh, and then we connected with them on LinkedIn. Maybe we shared some information with them or, or, joined, uh, or they told us about a, a chat room that we could join. What are some other things we can do?
1: Well, one other thing for LinkedIn that I think is really cool is that you can write articles and get published on LinkedIn, and that's a whole lot easier than trying to get published in trade journals or uh, scientific journals, those kinds of things. So if you are a really good writer, and it doesn't have to be a long article, but you can you know, write an article and publish it on LinkedIn. That's going to bring other people to you. So, you know, basically, if you uh, are a good writer, write it, edit it yourself and publish it. And if you're an adequate writer, then, you know, find someone who is a good editor and proofreader and get them to proofread your articles before you upload them. But I think that that's also a really helpful thing for LinkedIn. Now, My thing is how to connect with that person directly. And you can do that on LinkedIn. But I like the idea of email and snail mail. And email, everybody gets so many emails. And because everything is virtual now, you're probably getting even more emails. And so I say, send a letter in the U.S. Postal Service because it's wonderful. To walk down the driveway, open that little mailbox, and find a real letter in it. Something that isn't junk and isn't a bill. And that's just exciting. And it doesn't have to be long. You know, you can write a little note. You know, I'm just thinking of you, or I really appreciate the help you gave me on studying for the exam. I wanted to let you know that I passed, or whatever it is. Little note cards don't require a lot of information. It's not like you're writing, you know, a page long letter. It's just a note, but it's so helpful. People want that connection. They want that feeling of, I am seen, I am
0: heard, I am understood. And that's really good. Donna, I want to share with you, I was with a really good friend of mine and I was talking with his son and his son applied for a job. Of course, other people applied for this same job. And I was asking him how the interview went. And it sounded like just every interview that that interviewer was, was given that day. And I was asking, you know, did he make himself stand out at all? And he, really nothing was uh, out of the ordinary that he said. And he said, well, maybe I've messed up. How, how can I fix that? And I suggested he write a thank you letter. And he thought that was ridiculous because what millennial writes a thank you letter and puts a stamp on it and all of that stuff. But he did it. He got a call back. And the reason he has that job is because he was the only one that did something a little bit different. And what that was is he took time to write that thank you letter, put the address on it, put a stamp on it take it to the post office. And then that person looked at that and that made his application stand out where it didn't before. He got that job because of that thank you letter.
1: Yes, I agree. That is so wonderful because it is what I tell students all the time. Yes, you can send that thank you email, but everybody gets lots of emails. But we very rarely get a note through the mail that's just addressed to us. And that really does make a difference. It makes the interviewer, the hiring manager, it makes them understand this person is doing that extra step. If they'll do that to get a job, they're gonna do that in the job. And I think that's really important. I love getting mail. I love getting thank you notes from students who got a job. My New Year's resolution this year, and the only one I've ever been able to keep, is that I will write a note and put it in the mail to someone every week. I love that. So at the All end right. of the year, I will have sent out 52 notes. And I've got a list of people, you know, and some of them show up more than once. So my in-laws show up more than once. I write them notes more <laughs> often. But it's, it's just a, a way to connect. And writing is going to become a lost art if we don't, if we don't encourage people to continue that. So I'm a big proponent of handwritten, put it in the mail, use a stamp. For the price of a stamp and a little bit of time, you have made a connection that no one else will have made.
0: That's great. And I'm sure when we were either writing the email or we're writing the letter, there are certain things we want to put in those letters. There are certain things we want to leave out. What are they?
1: Well, if you're writing a, a thank you note after a job interview, let's say you got interviewed by three different people. Well, you're going to have to write each of those three people a thank you note. That's why those little note cards are wonderful because you have such limited space. And then you have to Say different things to each one of them. So immediately after the interview, when you've left, go out, sit in your car, and write down. So Mr. Smith talked about this, and Mr. Jones talked about this, and Ms. Johnson talked about this. So now in your thank you note, you're going to say, "Um, I'm very interested in your uh, opinion of whatever Ms. Johnson talked about. I'm very excited about the opportunity of working with you at the name of the company. If you have additional questions, please feel free to contact me. And then sincerely, blah, blah, blah. One thing you never want to say is, I really messed up my answer. And so let me tell you what I should have said. You don't want to say that. But what you do want to say is, I remember your question about, and I'd like to add this to my answer. So you're not saying you answered it wrong. You're not saying, boy, did I screw that up. You're saying, I want to add to my answer. And then you can add what you should have said in the, in the interview or make it more pointed, focused, whatever. But, you know, it's a sentence or two. And you're not saying you did badly. You're just saying I'm going to add this to my answer.
0: When we're just trying to strengthen that connection that we we just met on maybe a video conference for a virtual convention, what should that note look like?
1: That note is where you are going to offer help. That's where you're going to say to them, I really enjoyed meeting you at the conference. You've got to if if you just interviewed, they're going to remember the interview, but at the conference, they may have talked to hundreds of people. So you've got to remind them who you are. And so I really enjoyed our conversation at the Blank Blank conference in uh, Atlanta. It was really you know important to me to make some connections and, and networking. So I wanted to provide this article that I found that might be helpful to you. Or I found this interesting article and I wanted to share it with you. Anything like that. When we offer help, when we bring people into the idea of, I can help you and then they want to help us back. People love to help and people love to give advice. So, you know, when you're asking, you can ask a specific question, you can say, Tell me how I should have answered this question on the certification exam. But you can also ask something much broader. What advice would you give me as someone just starting out? And now they're thinking back, oh, yeah, when I started out, I wish I had known. Or nobody told me that I would have to do this in order to get the job I have now. So they're thinking back to their own lives and
0: giving you really good concrete information i brought up at the top of the show how you were helping so many people where they didn't have to focus on the entire conference they just focused on three people or three people a day what is that same type of advice how does that boil down to when we move it to a virtual platform
1: well depending on how long you're on that virtual platform because if they're in a face-to-face conference, you're there all day long going to different sessions, listening to different speakers. And every time you sit down, you're probably sitting next to a new person and there's there's a m- neat way to make that connection. But on virtual, that's going to be something that may be very, very individual for the person because you've got to make that connection and then build on that connection. So it may be much more difficult to do that in a virtual conference. So if you say, I'm going to meet three people and I'm not leaving till I do, you may still be there when everybody else is logged off. But you know, if you can utilize the chat, if you can say, oh, could we talk offline and then email that person, it's gonna be a little more natural but everybody's going to have to figure it out. The virtual conference I went to, uh, the only time we actually saw anyone else was the person who introduced the speaker and the speaker themselves. And so we weren't hearing or seeing any of the other people who were also attending. That makes it much harder. So that's when you can utilize chat to ask a question. If somebody answers your question in the chat. Now you've got somebody that you can reach out to and say, hey, let's talk about this. Would you mind, you know, could we do a a Zoom meeting ourselves later or a phone call and move it off that platform? I'm not sure what's the best way. I think everybody's going to have to figure it out for themselves. But there are other ways to network when you can't be Face to face. So if you're utilizing all of those, I think you're going to be fine.
0: Donna, you mentioned earlier that the reader gets to decide which tone they're going to read your letter in. Are there certain ways we can ensure our tone is taken more in the way that we intend it to be read?
1: Well, one thing I'm going to say is unless you're a really good humorous writer and everybody gets the jokes when you're writing them, don't try to be funny in an email or a handwritten note. I am, I'm not one of those people who immediately assumes, oh, that's a joke. I'm going to go, well, why are they being so snarky to me? And so you want to be careful of your wording and your tone in a written communication, any kind of written communication. But that's really important. When you make a phone call. And I know phone calls are out of, of fashion right now. Everybody has a cell phone, but they never make phone calls. But a phone call is a good way to deepen a connection. And if you make the phone call, you are in charge. You get to say what you need to say, ask the questions you need to ask, and then you get to close the phone call. You get to say, thank you so much for your help. I really appreciate it. Um, goodbye. And, and you, you bring it to an end. And that is something that, you know, it takes practice. And if you don't feel comfortable with it, you can write out a script. You don't want to read it, but, you know, you have what you want to say written down. And that's always helpful. I once worked with a student that I was telling her, you need to call up the company and talk to them. And she was going, I can't do that. I just can't do that. So we practiced. So I was in one office, she was in another office, and I would be the company and answer when she called me. And about the fourth time, she says, is this all there is to it? And I said, yes, this is all there is to it. And she said, I can do this. And it just took practice. But for her, phone calls were just out of the norm, and she couldn't imagine, what am I supposed to say? And it's not that hard.
0: I've seen so many misunderstandings because somebody said something in a four-word text and then somebody texts back and then they text back. It would have been so much simpler and so much easier, so much more efficient if they just picked up the phone.
1: Yes, I agree. And I don't mind phone calls because for the most part, I'm anonymous. You know, they may recognize my name or know where I work, but... For the most part, I'm anonymous. They're not going to remember me. And so you can ask those questions. And if you get the gatekeeper, the receptionist, just make that receptionist on your side. I'm calling because I need some advice. Is there someone in your organization who would be willing to talk to me for about 15 or 20 minutes, give me some advice about this? And that receptionist, unless they just started work this morning, knows who are the nice people, who are the mean, snarky people, who will give good advice, and who won't. And if you get that receptionist on your side, then they can help you. They can help you find the right person to talk to. And then with every phone call, the last question you're going to ask is, who would you recommend that I speak to next? And now you have a referral. Mr. Smith at XYZ suggested that I contact you, Mr. Johnson at ABC. And so now you have a referral, and that does make a lot of difference for people. It's a lot easier to talk to someone who says, we have this connection through someone else than it is to make that connection with nothing else. I'm a stranger calling you on the phone.
0: That's a great point. Donna, if you could just get one point across today about networking in a virtual world, what would it be?
1: It's harder now, but it's also easier because we're not trying to walk into that room full of people at the conference. But you have to set goals and you have to meet those goals. If you made a goal to meet three people at a conference, Well, then maybe you make a goal to interact with three people every week. You send them a a note or you send an email or you respond to their post on LinkedIn. But everything you're doing is building that connection, making them feel like you're a person that they know and understand. That's the biggest thing, I think, for networking right now.
0: This has been very helpful. Uh, You've given me a couple of links and some tools. I want to make sure all of those are on the show notes page so listeners can go straight there and refer to the material that you mentioned. Last time you were here, I asked you my standard lightning round questions, and I thought this time we would wrap the interview up. I would do something a little bit different. So you prepare students each and every day for those interview questions to make sure that they are are showing their best selves to make sure that they're answering the questions properly what are the top interview questions that people should be prepared to answer
1: oh the tell me about yourself is the number 1 because everyone starts with that and then the next question the interviewer asks is probably going to be based on what you told them in the tell me about yourself so Make sure that in that, you are telling the interviewer information that you want that next question to be, what you know and what you can do for their organization, why you want that job, why you want to work for them. Those are really good information because then their follow-up question is, "Oh, well, tell me more about. And you know now you're guiding
0: the interview in the direction you want it to go. So as an employer, What's the question I should be asking to everybody I interview?
1: I think that you need to ask a question that lets the interviewee tell you what they know. It can be something very specific or it could be something very broad, but you want them to be able to answer the question. So a lot of times we use behavioral questions because Past performance impacts future performance. So you ask a question, tell me about a time when, and then they have to tell you a story. How did you resolve this kind of situation? Or uh, what would you do in this kind of situation? And that's those are wonderful questions. But interviewees need to be prepared with, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? The person who's being interviewed can have numerous strengths, but they only get to have one weakness. And we don't want to focus on the weakness. We want to focus on what I'm doing to overcome that or how I overcame that in the past. So a lot of students will start. Well, my biggest weakness is no, you don't have a big weakness. You have a little tiny weakness and it's something that you're overcoming. So one weakness and lots of strengths.
0: What's the funniest story you've ever heard from a student coming back from an interview?
1: Well, they all feel like they did really well, and then they're just devastated when no one calls them back or offers them the job. But a lot of students, they have really, you know, different experiences. So, we work a lot with the Agricultural Sciences College, and, um, I had a student. It was a class assignment. So he's sitting in my office and he just can't sit still. And I finally said, okay, you told me that you've had lots of interviews. So what's going on? You can't sit still. You can't think of answers. And he said, I have had lots of interviews, but they've all been out leaning against the fence, looking at the cows. (laughs) And I said, I'm sorry, I have no fence, but you've got to get better at being in an office. I said, because they're not all going to hand you, walk out to the fence and watch the cows with you. So he had another couple of interviews and he did very well. When he got his job, he said, thank you so much. And uh, it's fun. It's, It's wonderful to have those kinds of of experiences
0: and to be able to help the students. Well, Donna, it's wonderful to have you on the show for a second time. Thank you again for helping the Scaling Up Nation learn a little bit more about what they can do better in networking in a virtual world.
1: Thank you for the opportunity. I have enjoyed being here.
0: Nation, Donna is one of the nicest people I know. I have had the privilege of sharing holidays with her sharing vacations with her, and as you've noticed from this interview, our families are very close. Again, such a great person, and Donna is just terrific at what she does and how she counsels her students. One of the things that Donna is an expert at is resumes, and she was telling me what I need to look for in resumes, and she was showing me some examples of what she counsels her students to do in their resumes. I got to tell you, she has put that bar very high. And when I look at resumes now, I know what to expect. And folks, there's some resumes out there that um, they really don't pass. So I'll just leave it at that and just let you know that there are some exceptional resume writers out there. And I hope that you've got the job of your dreams. But if you're putting a resume out there that doesn't really put you in the highest light, you probably want to talk with somebody like Donna. And let's face it, if you are in the water treatment industry, you got the best job out there. So I'm, of course, talking to all those people that listen to Scaling Up H2O that aren't in water treatment that need to prepare a resume so they can work for one of our awesome companies doing industrial water treatment. Talking about setting the bar high, talking about making sure that we are always getting better, especially when it comes to water treatment, here is James McDonald.
2: Hello, Scaling Up Nation. The next James's Challenge as we grow as an industrial water treatment professional, drop by drop, is... Learn about Breakpoint Chlorination and perform a Breakpoint Chlorination test on a water sample. What is meant by Breakpoint Chlorination? Do you have water sources with ammonia in them? And do you even know? What is the impact of chloramines on the free chlorine levels you think you have in your system? How do you run and interpret a Breakpoint Chlorination test? I have personally been involved in projects where having an understanding of breakpoint chlorination gave me an advantage over the other experts in the room and was the one key to solving the water systems problems. Be sure to share your experience on LinkedIn by tagging it with hashtag JC21 and hashtag scaling up H2O. This is James McDonald and I look forward to seeing what you share.
0: I remember the first time I treated a pool and learned about breakpoint chlorination. It is like a magic trick using chlorine. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you will after this James's challenge. Nation, I've been getting so many requests to do another Pinks and Blues episode. So many out there have said that that is their favorite episode, and I'm there with you. It is my favorite episode to do, but here's the deal. I cannot do those episodes without you. I need you to let me know what questions you have. Now, how you do that is you go to ScalingUpH2O.com, you go over to our show ideas page, and you can type out what you want me to talk about. But here's what I really want you to do. As soon as you get to our homepage, a pop-up will come up on the right-hand side. It will say record a voicemail. You click on that, you use your phone, your computer, whatever you have, and you record your voice asking me your question. I will play that on the air, and I will then answer your question. So while you're waiting for next week's brand new episode of Scaling Up H2O, why not go to ScalingUpH2O.com, record your question, and then we can get a Pinks and Blues episode out. In the meantime, try something new. And remember, it's your job to raise the bar in the water treatment industry. Why do we call our mastermind the rising tide mastermind? Well, I know you've heard me say before, a rising tide raises all ships. That's one of my favorite quotes because it's so true. The better we do, the better somebody else can do and vice versa. That's exactly what the rising tide mastermind is. It's our members helping other members to achieve success and to get there further and faster. To find out more about the Rising Tide Mastermind, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind.